This week, Seattle, Washington, Deception Pass State Park, and a whole lot of Pacific Northwest fun on our last few days in the U.S. before entering Canada. Plus, some rural Alaskan medical <laughs> adventures, all that and more. This is RV Miles. This summer, L.L. Bean wants to help you feel great out there with gear tips and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. Sand sticks to pretty much everything, so here's a hack for keeping it out of your socks, sheets, and rugs when you come home from the beach. Cornstarch. Simply rub some cornstarch where the sand is sticking and it'll fall off with ease. This works especially well between your fingers and toes. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode number 285 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two RVers who have been enjoying the RV life since 2016, crisscrossing North America with our three boys. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors from industry news to travel destinations, our national parks, and so much more. We're coming to you from Homer, Alaska, uh, out near the Homer Spit, wonderful little four and a half mile peninsula jutting out into the bay. It's just a beautiful area. However, it is entirely encased in fog right now, so we can't see a darn thing. Uh, so once again, we are recording inside the RV. I think we're going to have to get used to this for a while as we sort of speed our ways back to, to the U.S. Uh, well, I guess we're in the U.S. Ba- back to the lower 48. Yeah. I wish that we could have the beautiful... I, Homer is stunning. The views out in the bay are gorgeous. And I wish that we could provide those here on this podcast. But if you head over to this week's RV and camping news video over on the RV Miles YouTube channel, Jason did get to film outside and you will get to see a little bit of what we enjoyed this week in Homer. Interesting stuff in that news video this week too. Uh, KOA is doing some great things reaching out to pet owners. I have noticed over our travels for the last several years that KOA has really been trying to cater a lot to pet owners in in sites and amenities. Or lots of them have dog parks, and a lot of them have sites now that have actual pens in the site where you can you don't even have to bring your own pen and everything. You don't have to have them on a leash. There's just a fenced-in site for your for your dog. And I think that's really great. But they're partnering with a couple different companies that offer uh, really road-friendly insurance for pets and online veterinary care. So if you need to get oh, wow. veterinary care and have you know a, a teleconference with a veterinarian and even get medications to your pets sent anywhere in the U.S., uh, they're partnering with a couple companies that... Uh, that offer that f- for a discount. And I, you don't have to be a KOA rewards member to get it. You can go work with these companies if you want anyway. But make sure to check out that news video if you are a pet owner, as apparently 66% of RVers travel with a pet. I'm good being in that 34% right now. 
despite the almost daily requests around here for a dog. It's just not something that is in our future, even though we are getting off the road. We've always said, no, it's just too hard on the road for us personally to have a dog. But even though we're moving to part-time RVing, the requests have amped up. And now I just get to say, but most likely we're just going to be down the street from Grandma and Grandpa. And guess what? Grandma and Grandpa have a dog. So I thought it would be go. made there harder by the fact that Jamie and Clay got a new dog. So they've got it. They just got a, a puppy. Um, uh, no, it really, it really drove it home. It, it actually, it's actually <laughs> making it easier. Well, it's easier in, in two ways. One, we get to see the puppy, which yes, is great. Yes, we get to, we get the best. It's like being grandparents. <laughs> you get the best part of the grandchild and then you're like, bye, have a good night. Exactly. <laughs> Not my poop to clean up. <laughs> bye. Uh, more on pets in my black tank later on. Oh, um, I know where that's going. But here at the beginning of the show, we wanted to talk a bit about yet another visit to an emergency room. This is my sixth state to visit an emergency room in. Uh, and as for our family, I think it makes it seven states. No big deal, mainly precautionary. I'm fine. Everything's fine. But I had like some severe pain in my neck. And I thought it was because we did a couple great epic hikes in Denali. And I had, you know, a big pack with lots of stuff in it. Uh, especially the the second hike we did where we were going to make dinner in the park and I had like all the water for boiling and everything like <laughs> you that. Had a lot of weight. I had a lot of weight on, on my shoulders. So I started to get neck pain after that and uh, the pack was fine. I didn't feel it during during the hikes or anything. And I was kind of chalking it up to that. And gradually after like a week or so, it just wasn't going away. It was getting worse and worse. And I was having a hard time sleeping and um, it eventually became really unbearable, but it started to move into like my neck and throat. Your lymph nodes started having well, that, the, significantly yeah, swelling and the, you could feel that. And that was when... I knew like that, that at that happen. point. Yeah, I yeah, knew at that point it, it was not. Uh, it was not a sort of yes. muscular skeletal type deal, right? Yeah. It wasn't a chiropractic thing. It was. Uh, it was something else. And, and do I get a little nervous when things around his head and neck start to show up? Yes, because well, and, Jason is very prone uh, to bacterial infections, as we yeah, all know. And, and I've had meningi- I've had bacterial meningitis before, which can be, it can show in neck pain, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that po- could, could have possibly been it. But I I had my spleen removed when I was a kid, and um, it really didn't dawn on me until very recently, actually after my brain infection. Another visit to the ER in North Carolina when, when I had pneumonia, had pneumonia. that I am I'm just kind of prone to bacterial infections and specific bacterial infections that pneumonia type bacterial infections because nocardia that you had in North Dakota where you had to have brain surgery yeah. is a bacterial infection that generally presents itself as pneumonia and this is what was so baffling to them about you was that it is something that's very common, especially amongst farmers and people who work in the dirt and the soil and with their hands. But oftentimes, you know, 99.999999% of the time, it's pneumonia and it settles in the chest. And of course, like you just said, you had pneumonia, pneumonia last year when we were in North Carolina. So now here we are in Homer, Alaska, and it's been nine days and he's not getting better. And in fact, uh, Tylenol doesn't really seem to be doing it. Ibuprofen does, but Tylenol doesn't. 
we're seeing. Well, I was also doing a lot of like neck exercise stuff that was probably making things a lot worse instead of better because it wasn't muscular. Right. And we <laughs> were treating it in the beginning like yeah. it was muscular. Yeah. And then for me, it's always when you say out loud, maybe I need to be seen is generally when I'm like, okay, things are not what we think they are. Like things are not going for Jason the way that we want them to go because Jason doesn't really say that he needs to be seen until he is 99.9999999% sure he needs to go to a hospital. So, and you know, when he said that, <laughs> we're in Homer, Alaska. I mean, it's it's a it's a community of about 5,000 people in the summer. Yeah. Um so we didn't have, you know, high hopes for what medical services would be like here. Uh, turns out really nice hospital. But long story short, I'm I'm fine. Yes. Like, I don't, long story I, short, I don't have any fine. sort of, no. uh, I probably had a, my lymph nodes were very, very swollen. I, I got a CAT scan and, and everything and my lymph nodes were very swollen, uh, probably due to a virus that was running its course. They gave me some medication to help with the pain and it's, it's getting gone. It's not gone yet, but it's getting there. Yeah. And we're working really hard to have him rest as much as possible because we all know that that is very difficult for Jason, but we have family coming into town next week, family flying to Alaska to see us. And we want Jason to be able to really enjoy that. So we're, we're doing our best to keep Jason from working 24 (laughs) seven. So along the lines of like, of, 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 Healthcare on the road, and right. I guess mainly emergency healthcare is what we're generally yeah. referring to. Most of the insurance plans out there are not going to cover ongoing care across the country. Usually, that's going to be in your home state or the the sort of network of your insurance company. There are a few plans in a few states that are a little bit more nationwide, but generally, we're talking about emergency care and the ability to go see somebody when there is a problem. And most insurance plans, all insurance plans, I think, are going to cover at least some extent of emergency stabilization care. So basically that hospital getting to you to the point of, uh, of, of being stable enough that you can get back home then and get some more long-term care if it was something uh, more difficult. So for instance, like my broken finger, Yes. When I broke my finger back in Palm Springs, our insurance would definitely pay for uh, me going to the ER and having that set and wrapped and put in the cast and everything like that. But the the surgery, it would have only paid for it had I gone back home to had surgery on it. Thankfully, the surgery, the 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 doctor was a little back and forth on whether I needed surgery and I elected not to and it's fine I didn't need the surgery so thankfully I I didn't need that but had I in order for insurance to cover that we would have had gone back to Illinois we can talk about this off camera but you told me the doctor said you didn't need the surgery. You never said anything about no. him wavering back and forth and you being like, nah, doc, I good. No, I gotta go. I mean, he said, Jason. he said you don't need it, but he did. He wasn't, okay. he wasn't right. going to say, it's fine. he wasn't going to say, well, I'm not going to tell you that you don't need it. You okay. know, like I'm okay. not, he didn't, he was very, being very coy <laughs> about like, 
I don't want to have any of the risk on it, but it seems to have seems to have set perfectly fine. It's, it's all aligned well. Um, you know, the perfect thing that you could do for it would be to have surgery to put a pin in it, but uh, I don't see any. I don't foresee any issues, but there's always a chance it was that kind. Of thing. Okay, listen, your body, your choice. Okay, yeah. I that was just not. Yeah. That I mean, was not the conversation you and I had, but that's fine. And I'm glad that I your finger has healed fine. You did not yeah. need the surgery. You made the right decision. I totally yeah. trust that. I just, as you're saying that, and I'm sure it's <laughs> people who are watching this will see. I was like, mm, I don't really remember that being the conversation that I, we had. I may have sugar I You it. may have just handed <laughs> me a big bowl of sugar and been like, here, drink this while I talk to you. But um, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, as we sort of posted about this incident here in Alaska on social media, yeah. um, one of the comments reminded me of something. Somebody commented talking about their issues uh, with just like a two-mile uh, medevac flight. Oh, yes. And the cost of that. They got billed, I want to say it was like $60,000. Yeah. And their insurance was wanting to pick up half of that. Oh. So that's the stuff that kind of gets me a little concerned. And one big thing that we want to recommend to y'all is to become a member of the FMCA. The FMCA is the Family Motor Coach Association. It's an RV club that's been around for uh, 60 years now. They just celebrated their 60th anniversary. And if you use it for nothing else... Um, they have great discounts on uh, roadside assistance. They've got a good roadside assistance plan um, and some other things. But if you use it for nothing else, membership to FMCA comes with emergency evacuation insurance, which means basically they pay for a flight to get you somewhere. Um, when we had the issue in Minot, North Dakota, when my, I had my brain surgery, they were going to cover this the the emergency evacuation insurance through FMCA was going to cover not only flying uh, us home, flying you home, flying me home, but also uh, they were even going to cover getting our RV home. Yeah, it was. They were going to cover all of us. No, you're right. They were going to cover all of us. There was a lot of back and forth on how yeah. we wanted to do it because we had options. I mean, that's what's amazing yeah. about that is we had options on the best way to get us home, to get Jason home quickly, to get the rig home. We had options. So that program to me, again, as Jason said, if you take nothing else from FMCA and you will take other things from FMCA there and they're really wonderful people over that's there. That's like $60 a year or something, 60, 70. That peace of mind and being able to say, look, we've worked with FMCA in the past. We have not worked with them for a long time, but I think it speaks to what our personal experience with them during a medical crisis. I just cannot, I cannot stress it enough. It is, it is worth every small penny $60 and I think they're even having a special right now they are, it, it ends July 31st oh, so I but okay. most of the time most people list this or maybe everybody listens to this it, it will be if someone catches it, it on Sunday or Monday yeah. of this week they are having I think 50% off membership right yeah. now to celebrate their 60 years so but that it, will cover like it not only like for, for our situation we couldn't use it actually because that whole thing with the stabilization care. It, it yeah. turned out that like 
I th- I could not be stable on a flight. I needed mm-hmm. I needed antibiotics too often, and yeah. they had to be mixed at the hospital too often for me to get on a flight and head back somewhere. So we had to stay in in North Dakota that whole time. So that forty five days in yeah. North Dakota was considered stabilization care yeah. because he couldn't be moved. So that's another thing. If you're asking yourself, well, you guys were there for so long, how yeah. did that work out with insurance? That was considered stabilization care. You'll remember that in January of 2020, he did finish having the titanium mesh piece put over the hole in his head. And that was done in Illinois because he was then safely able to travel back to the state to be able to receive that follow-up non-stabilized care that he needed. So it's tricky But it's just, it's really important that you understand the ins and outs of your personal insurance, especially if you're going to be on a very long RV trip. Really understand that. We always recommend when you go into somewhere, if you have, listen, we can all be, an accident can happen to any of us. You don't have to be accident averse. If if we got a, if we broke an ankle or something on one of those hikes in Denali, mm -hmm. they would have had to send a helicopter. Yep. To to evacuate us out, and that would have cost a lot of money, and that and that emergency active uh, and that emergency Listen. evacuation insurance would cover it, and most of your insurances would not have covered that. I would have been like, "Give me two sticks, I'm going to mobilize this man's <laughs> leg, and then I'm driving him to Anchorage. Let's go." But I remember, you know, when I was a kid, and I was camping with my family in the Buffalo National River in Arkansas, and we had been out on a hike. We were doing a really long hike out to a, a cave. And I was with my parents, my aunts and uncles, my grandparents, this big family trip. And my aunt fell or tripped or something happened that she broke her ankle while we were out far away from the campground out in this wilderness area. And listen, it was the 80s. So I doubt we were prepared for anything. I'll be surprised if there were water bottles on this trip. So I remember that she had to be physically like my dad and my uncle had to physically help carry her out. And I do believe at one point they had to like do the lock arms swing thing to get her out. So here we are now probably six hours from home and she has her wrapped her. She's all wrapped up. I don't think we knew at that point that it was actually broken, but it was probably more like a fracture. She had to drive herself home in her stick shift. Oh, Oh gosh. Right? Which I'm trying to I'm trying to think back and I'm trying to think to myself, like, why didn't somebody drive her? Like Yeah. There were like a lot of adults. Pressing down on a clutch and a brake pedal and a gas pedal. I was like, there were a lot of adults there. And maybe I'm having some revisionist history because again I was like eight. (laughs) But I have a really distinct memory of like seeing my last thing of saying bye to my Aunt Bonnie and like seeing her in her car, like in her in her drive in the driver's seat and wrapped up and i'm pretty sure that was stick regardless if it was a stick shift or not uh, an automatic or not i mean that's still incredibly painful she yeah had, but she had to drive all the way maybe, back she was made, it maybe maybe it was an automatic and it was her left foot and she was like oh, i'm fine but i don't know i don't think <laughs> i so, wasn't there because i the person that was going back with her couldn't drive it weird 
Yeah, it's I don't know. I, there's a lot of stories probably from my childhood. I keep new stories keep popping up that I don't remember, and then I'm like, "Whoa, that happened! <laughs> That's crazy." So anyway, <laughs> anyway, be prepared for those types of situations. Keep first aid kits with you. We've got we've got two great first aid kits: one in the RV and one in our truck. Mm-hmm. And make sure that your insurance is up to date. Think about getting that emergency evacuation insurance to cover medevac flights, stuff like that. And um, I would recommend knowing where the nearest hospital is, wherever, wherever you are. are. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We are so fortunate. And again, we're going to talk about this in detour because we need to move on. But we're so fortunate that this happened where it happened because the experience we had and, and being able to go to this ER was shockingly, it was shocking. So, all right. We should probably take a break. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Deception Pass State Park, the busiest state park in the state of Washington. And we're going to talk about Seattle. (laughs) We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by the Park Wolf app. Ever found yourself in the heart of a national park surrounded by beauty, but unsure where to go or what to see? That's where Park Wolf comes in. Park Wolf is the ultimate app for exploring national parks. As you drive, the GPS shows you what's coming up on the road and an audio guide will fill you in on what's there so you can decide if it's worth a stop for you or not. Gas running low, looking for a bite to eat or a bathroom break? Park Wolf's got you covered. It keeps track of the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover areas. And the best part, it works without an internet connection. And if you're a wildlife enthusiast, you'll love Park Wolf's wildlife maps and sighting notifications. So before you set off on your next national park adventure, Download the ParkWolf app for your iPhone from the App Store. It's your ultimate guide to national parks. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes. A full line of weight-distributing hitches. Adjustable ball mounts and a new line of fifth-wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. Okay, we're back and we're here to talk about Seattle, Washington and Deception Pass State Park and Whidbey Island. But first, a little housekeeping. We want to talk about, uh, first of all, our America's National Parks podcast. We don't mention it a lot on this podcast for and some we reason. we should. We're so bad at like talking about things yeah. that have to do with the RV Miles Network. So, uh, <laughs> but I really so enjoyed the episode that just went out the, uh, this week. It was written by our friend Lauren Eisenberg Davis, who writes a lot of our episodes. Uh, she just travels the country and visits lots of national parks and, and, and does a really great job. And this episode was about Fossil Butte National Monument and particularly about a specific exhibit that happens to be in the bathrooms. <laughs> uh, and it is an exhibit on fossilized poop. And I thought it was absolutely fascinating because it, there's so much that scientists have learned from fossilized poop. And like things like well, tomatoes have been around for way longer than we thought they were. Because they found tomato seeds in dung from millions of years ago. How much of our conversations on the Discovery hike centered around scat? All of them, because uh, yeah. we didn't see any animals. We just saw poop. So. Yeah, and there was a lot of discussion <laughs> about, is this fall poop? Is it spring poop? Is it fresh poop? Is it, how old is it? It's 
fascinating. And this is the thing about America's National Parks podcast. This has always been the thing that we strive to do over there is to find stories that really encompass everything that a park is about. Like, you know, you go into the Grand Canyon and you've got the Grand Canyon, but there are so many other small stories and so many other like little bits of that park that are being protected and preserved that are so worth knowing about as well. And we have been able to put together some writers over there who are really looking for those moments and really finding those those extras about the parks. So if you haven't had a chance to go over and listen to America's National Parks, you're not really going to hear me over there anymore. I stepped out of that podcast about oh, I would say about a year ago or so. I just, I support it on the back end now. And Jason uh, is the primary host over there, much like what you find over on the RV Miles YouTube channel. Um, But it's just, it's been such a joy to see some of the stories that our our writers have come up with and created for us. It's beautiful. And if you want to uh, be reminded when a new episode's out and see what it is about before clicking on it to listen to it, the best place to do that is to get the Road Signs email newsletter that we put out every single Thursday. We list the episodes there and we list all the content that we create around RV Miles, any new articles, anything we put out. Because we hear y'all. Y'all are like, listen, you have like 57 different things going on in 57 different channels and I don't know how to find everybody at all the things. And we get that. We feel it like every week. And so road signs, you just go to rvmiles.com slash mailing list. Road signs is going to have every video, every podcast that has come out within that last week, like Jason just said, and you can have it all there for you. You do not have to go searching around on all of the different platforms. We're going to put it all right there for you so that you can see it. So please come and join the over 10,000 people who get road signs in their inbox every Thursday. And of course, it features uh, a story uh, from Jason and I. We rotate out each week. We share something that's on our mind and it's just specific to that newsletter. You're not going to find it anywhere else. So rvmiles.com slash mailing list. We will put it in the description for the video and in the show notes for this episode. All right, let's talk about our last few days in the lower 48 before we crossed into Canada. We did some stuff uh, to prepare to head into Canada. Like we got the tires rotated at a discount mm-hmm. tire. Love discount tire because it was free. Uh, and and <laughs> Thank you, uh, discount tire. And just sort of, you know, got rid of the alcohol we needed to get rid of, all the little things that we needed to do before we crossed the border into uh, into Canada. And don't worry, we didn't pour it down the sink, okay? <laughs> didn't pour that alcohol But down in the that sink. time, we, we visited two places. We visited Deception Pass State Park, and it was out on Whidbey Island. It is, like I said before, it is the most visited state park in the state of Washington. It's gorgeous. And we took a ferry ride out to Seattle for a day, and we're going to share about that. Yeah. So we did, we have to jump way back in time, almost two months. This, when we sat down to put the show notes together for this, we were like two months. It was the beginning of June. Well, because we did Memorial Day Mm -hmm. weekend in Seattle and it felt like. It was the end of May. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So it felt like 400 years ago. It was, it was a little tough. So we started off in Seattle and we stayed at Bainbridge Island at the Fay Bainbridge Park Campground. This is a really cool park because it's got a, a great sort of community feel. Like it's where the people that live in that area 
go to camp. And they were all there for Memorial Day weekend. It was a holiday weekend vibe. Everyone was grilling. Everyone was chilling. It was like and you a can, blast. It's like right on the water and you can see Seattle across the water. So it yeah. is on an island outside of Seattle, but uh, and it takes a bit to get into Seattle from here. But it is it is right there next to Seattle. But it's 100% worth it because you get to take, this is another ferry ride that we took much like in San Francisco. Although I will say, I think I enjoyed this ferry ride a little bit more than the San Francisco yeah. one. Definitely more than the, the Victoria. Def- definitely more than the Victoria one. This definitely. was it was not sort of wide open water, so yes. it was uh, it was a lot a calmer. Calm. A little bit calmer. <laughs> but we enjoyed. We went over to Seattle for the day. We did go over to Seattle on Memorial Day weekend, Ooh. and you can yeah you can imagine. So our time to so why we've lumped these two together is because we really just enjoyed being at the campground for Memorial Day weekend when we were in Bainbridge. We did go over to Seattle for one day. We're going to talk about some of the things we did there, but we're also going to talk about how completely overwhelming it was. Yeah, we we normally really like big cities. Yes, um big we cities are do. are a big part of our travels. However, a, one of the big benefits of being full-timers uh, and homeschooling the kids and working from the road uh, is that we are not really set to a schedule and we can do things like mm-hmm. go to the grocery store in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day when not everybody else is going to the grocery store. We can go into the big city on a Tuesday daytime and go to the museums when they're empty and stuff. This being a holiday was uh, was wild. Yeah, we didn't we didn't do that. We went in on a Saturday, if I remember correctly, and <laughs> it was packed. There was a Mariners game going on, yeah, so the, oh the boat gosh. was full of people going to the Mariners game. There, there was, was also a, a hockey. A, was, a, was it a hockey or a soccer game going soccer, on? It was a soccer, soccer. Game going Why, on. It wouldn't have been. We did get to do some of the things that, you know, your first time in Seattle type things. So we, of course, went to the... Pike Place Market. Yeah, so Pike Place Market is is the big historic market area where there are all sorts of stalls of shops and yes. and things and some great used bookstores and I wish we could talk to you about selling, all of them, but it was bone crushing. It was so packed. I mean, the, the all the crushing. vendors selling like fresh flowers and, and of course the fishmongers who throw the fish across the room. That was, that was fun. really cool to see. Yes. Uh, all that sort of stuff. We didn't buy a single thing there because it would have taken forever. Well, we couldn't get to anything. I mean, like I'm not talking just like it was busy. Yeah. I mean, you get stuck in a funnel of people that are trying to move and you can't get out of it. And if you are crowd averse uh, for some of us who have maybe post pandemic decided that like, hey, I really in- didn't hang out around crowds for like two years. And maybe that's just not my jam anymore. This is this might be like your version of torture. Um, we, I'm sure it gets bad on like other weekends, too. Oh, for sure. And, and uh, it's, it's it, the kickoff to the summer yeah. season. It's, you know, it, it was just it was uh I don't know how to put it because I was so glad we went and I wanted to be there so bad and we got to see the gum wall which is whoa that's a thing the gu- so if you don't if that's you don't know thing. there's a, there it's like 
it's not even a wall. It's an alley. Yes. Where people have literally covered it with gum. And I they're think chewed gum, y'all. They're, they're chewed, chewed gum. gum. We and we did an episode of the Sea America podcast back yes. when we were doing that on, on this. And we'll, uh, we'll put um, it in the show notes yeah. too so you can listen but to I, it. But I think it's even been scraped clean a few times. Yes, it has. And it is just, it is really gross but really cool kind of at the same time it's really interesting yeah it's very interesting um, uh, so we got to do that but we didn't we also wanted to try to go to the original starbucks which is right there yes we and tried. wow that was one of the longest lines for anything that i've ever holy seen holy coffee line batman that was a very long line like so blocks. we walked just walked past it and waved at it and kind of peeked at it and took some pictures. Uh, We did get some uh, really great bakery items like sweet treats from uh, a little stall on the corner that had had both gluten-free and vegan and traditional bakes. And that was... There's a guy like playing like a little half-sized piano outside too. And his fingers looked like he had been playing that piano nonstop for 40 years. The woman playing the violin uh, near the fishmongers. She was really good. She was good, but she kept playing Sweet Child of Mine over and over. That's right. I couldn't remember (laughs) what it was that she just was like, this is my Maybe yeah. that works for her on not a packed day, but when you're there and you have to like move slowly through there and like every third song is Sweet Child of Mine, yeah. we, we kind of get your routine down. Yeah. You're like, this uh, is not sweet. So this is awful. It, the Pike Place Market was really cool. It It is an extensive hike to get up there. It is high up. The yeah. city is kind of on a hill, a yeah. lot like San Francisco in a way. And we got off the ferry and it was all walking that we were doing. And it was a lot of stairs to get up to the Pike Place yeah. Market. I, if you are not somebody with, you know, good knees or good legs, uh, this is something you want to take a cab to or something. I was wishing we had taken a cab by the time we got up there. <laughs> uh, we did not do anything like the Space Needle. There just wasn't time. It was so busy. Uh the Pike Place Market really. We were all together. That was, took we most were of our day with our yeah. friends. So it was a group of nine. That took a lot of our day and our time, but it also took just a lot of our energy. And we decided, hey, you know what we do need? We need ice cream. Yeah. And we also need coffee. So why don't we walk to the very first Starbucks Reserve? And why don't we take the kids to Salt and Straw? And let's let's go do that. Yeah. We're going to walk. So fine. Not a far walk. It's fine. It's a beautiful day. That was such a long walk. <laughs> it was it was quite the walk. <laughs> so uh, much now, longer than we thought it was going to be. Salt and Straw is a, is an ice cream chain, but it is sort of a Pacific Northwest yes, thing. Yes, yes. And uh, although we I, were introduced to it, at we were introduced Disney to it Springs. at Disney Springs in Florida, yes. but I think it started in Portland. Uh, it did. Uh, yes, we all debated that because we thought it was yeah. Seattle, but it was really. Portland. But it's really interesting ice cream flavors. Like they'll do like. A turkey and cranberry ice cream, like wild stuff like that. And it's good. And it's, it's not very good. It's yeah. very good. So we took the kids there. We all had some ice cream. Then we kicked it and went next door to the very first Starbucks reserve. Well uh, we figured it, not next door, but okay, close, well, enough. close enough. <laughs> but we figured yeah, we figured look, if we can't get into the very first Starbucks ever, let's go to the very first Starbucks reserve. Um and that I can see having been to the one in Chicago, which I think is the I'm not sure if it's the newest one anymore, but it's one of the newer it's ones. It's an excellent one, regardless. And then having yeah. been, yeah, it's and then having been in this one, you can see that they learned 
from, they have learned from that store because the one in Chicago is like four stories and each level is a different offering, a different like themed, like specialty in regards to coffee. Here in Seattle, it's all just one big room, and there is not enough room for all of us. Yeah, again, it was Memorial Day (laughs) weekend, weekend. and maybe it would have been less busy. It probably would have been better for us to not go with the kids. There wasn't a whole lot for them. Well, they didn't have any offerings for the kids, which was weird, because the one in Chicago has a a standard, also, Starbucks bar where you can get, you know, your cake pops and all of, and your hot chocolates and all that. But if you're Um, you're not familiar with what a Starbucks roastery reserve is, is if you're not into Starbucks, which actually uh, Abby Black tanked yeah, a couple weeks ago. Them, but listen, I will. Done with the Starbucks, but yeah, but not the reserves because I gotta say, like, it's a cool experience. It's so it's cool. a di- yeah, it's a different vibe because the reserves are gonna offer you the types of coffee that you really you're not gonna get at a Starbucks. But then on top of that, we really like uh, they have a a coffee. Like bourbon, old fashioned. They have all sorts of alcoholic yeah. beverages that are made. Uh, in a really classy way around and celebrating coffee. Yeah. Um, like their, their espresso martini is hands down one of the best. They have I've like some special coffee beans that they age in a bourbon barrel for, for yeah. this purpose. They have, they have a bakery on site with these amazing big wood fire ovens that they'll do like focaccia pizzas and, and stuff like that on the one in Chicago has like all sorts of like bakery treats as well. And so, I cannot but wait to get back there it, in just a few weeks. But if you, you don't have, because we understand that not everybody, you know, enjoys an alcoholic beverage and that is absolutely fine. They will also have plenty of other offerings where you can have really unique to that location, uh, that you wouldn't get to experience anywhere else, really sort of experimental coffees. And so if you are into um, just something more than just your standard, you know, Pike Place or Verona, uh, then something like a Starbucks Reserve would be a really fun way to, if there's one in the city you're visiting, to go and check out. And so we did do that. Jamie and Clay had never... Jamie and Clay had never had any of the cocktails that they offer there. So we thought that would be kind of a fun way to wrap up our time. Then we took the nice long walk back down to the the ferry and took the ferry back. And that was it. That was really, uh, we then proceeded to spend the rest of our time enjoying the campground because it was, yeah. it was such a fun vibe there. So we wrapped that up. We headed out we were only there for about four days and then we headed out to deception pass state park which was a first seattle was a first for our family deception pass was a first for our family our friends had been to both before jamie grew up in that area so it was nice having a tour guide with us who could really kind of give us some insight into the seattle area having lived there we took a ferry from yeah, with the being, RV this with time. With the RV this time. Now we're on another ferry. So at this point, the kids are like, okay, how many more ferries will you be putting us on? Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh, at least one more. The the ferries in the Seattle area are, are super easy to deal with your RV. Yeah. Um, it You know, it can, it can be pricey. It is by length. It's it, I think it's by like the tens of feet. So if you're like 40 to 50 foot, it's so much. And 50 foot and it's above, it's so much. I think we paid somewhere um, around 100, 105 yeah, for something the like truck. That. Yeah. And, and we're 25 feet. We were, we're around right under 50 feet, We're I think. under 50. I remember Jamie and Clay had to pay a little bit more than us because yeah. they are over uh, 
50 feet. So, yeah. uh, but you just drive on and you, it, there's, there's one way on and one way off. There's entrance ramps on either side. So it's really simple and easy to do. They put semi trucks on these things. So it's not something you really need to worry about, uh, doing uh they're very good at guiding you in and everything and then you get out of your vehicle if you want um uh some of them you have to some of them you don't uh and you ride and watch the scenery as you get to your des- destination now, pets have to stay in pets. the vehicle depending on them some of them to... no, some of them you can yeah, take them really... on the outside decks yeah it really depends so, so yeah. again you know, we can't really speak about pets because yeah. we don't have any, but you know, you want to check into that and make sure that your pet will be comfortable and able to do this as well. We have, I have made a short reel on this, just if you want to see like what it looks like and how we navigated getting on, I'll link it again in the show notes so you can see it and see what it looks like if this is something you think you're going to be doing in the future. I thought this was great. It was 30 minutes. I mean, as quickly as we got on and we all got up and got out of the truck and went upstairs and we were up there for just a short time and we were back down in the truck and we were off. We headed over to our campground. It was a really short drive over to the campground. Yeah, uh, this uh, this campground is at Deception Pass State Park. I should say Deception Pass is so it's a, the very top of Whidbey Island and it's named Deception Pass because... George Vancouver, that Vancouver, the guy that Vancouver's named after, Vancouver. uh, was deceived thinking that it was a peninsula, and it was not. It was an island. Uh, so Deception Pass is a, just a really beautiful area, the really quintessential Pacific Northwest uh, tide pools and rocky cliffs and uh, arching bridges and all that sort of it's stuff. It's consistently named one of the best state parks in yeah. the country. So when you come into the park, you're coming in and there's there's the one side with like the ranger station and that seems like the natural big entrance into the park. It is. The dump station is there. There's a campground in there. But there's another campground associated with the state park across the street. And that's where we stayed. We stayed at Quarry Pond. We were in, it was cool because we were able to book a buddy site. Yeah, in a very quiet loop. And yes. both of our, our sites together in a sort of really big, wooded, beautiful state park campsite. Gorgeous. And water and electric. Water and electric. Uh, and decent plenty, bathhouses too. And Plenty of space to spread out. We were able to put up hammocks. We were able to create our little, our outdoor office space that sometimes we get to create, which is really nice because then it gives Jason and I a place to go to to work. Uh, we were able to create that. The, the site we had was so large, we could create that. We had hammocks out and we had a separate seating area around the fire pit. It was a really enjoyable week. Uh, water and electric at the site, no dump station, but again, you can go across the street when you head out. And Actually, you have to go across the street to check, to check in. in. You, you have, have to yeah. go to that other main entrance to the park to get your hang tag, yeah. and that's where the dump station and all that sort of stuff is going to mm-hmm. happen. And, you know, it was, again, so we had come off of some pretty big, busy weeks. You know, we have been through uh, the Oregon coast. We had done Victoria. We had done Seattle. And so it was really nice to get up here and just kind of chill. We did a little hiking. We went into town to a really great uh, seafood place. Like, Yeah, we, we got fish. We did a lot of fish and chipping. Like we got fish, fish and, and chips on, on Whidbey Island. We got fish and chips uh, at Ivar's in Seattle. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of, we've 
continued to get a lot of fish and chips as we actually had some of the best we've ever had just yesterday. Oh, y'all. Um, I can't wait to tell you about these fish and chips. They were so good. Uh, but we did, we'll, we'll recommend um, one trail that we did that would It's is, like a two in one. It's like a two in one. Yeah, it's called uh, Lighthouse Point and Lottie Point Loop Trail. I think all together it was about 2.4 miles. There is some steep inclines. Uh, there, there are some drop-offs. no actual lighthouse. No, there's no lighthouse. If you are, you know, so when you see Lighthouse Point Trail, that might make you think that you're going to go to a lighthouse. Yeah, but there's not. like, there's like a little box on a cliff that is a light, like, a, you know, an electronic sort of like... Yeah. Maybe remotely there was monitored one light. At uh, some probably, point. yeah. But this is just sort of a great Pacific coastline hike where you're hiking uh, along the water and seeing the wonderful birds. Birds were really great here, and um, and looking out at the ships on the bay, and you get down below the two bridges over Deception Pass, which are really cool arched bridgeway bridgeways. You can walk across them, mm-hmm. um, but we elected to. Uh, take the vehicles across, go to this trail and and kind of get up underneath them a bit on, on this trail. Yeah, so highly recommend that if you find yourself in this area of Washington. All right, that's it for the last little bit of the lower 48 before we headed into Canada. So the next time we talk about traveling, we're going to talk about getting into Canada. Going and to one of my favorite places we have ever been yeah i cannot wait to talk about this but yeah it's time to get international and (laughs) talk about british columbia (laughs) but that'll be on a different episode so let's take a break though and when we come back we're gonna do our fresh tank black tank uh, and, and that's, and that's it. it, Jay. That's, that's what we do on the next say, segment. And something else. No, but, that's what but we not do. Not really. We're going to check the level <laughs> of our tanks. We'll be right back. Be right back. This episode is sponsored by Harvest Hosts, the membership that allows RVers to take a rest from the road and enjoy unlimited overnight stays at over 4,000 unique locations in North America, such as breweries, farms, golf courses, wineries, and much more. Easily plan and book your next RV trip and enjoy over $1,500 in exclusive member benefits by joining Harvest Hosts. Get 15% off your first year of membership with code MILES. That's M-I-L-E-S. Go to HarvestHost.com to become a Harvest Hosts member today and use the promo code MILE. Welcome back. It is time to check the level of our tanks. Sponsored by our friend Matt's RV Reviews Liquefied RV Toilet Treatment, the No BS Toilet Treatment. You can find it in our Amazon store at Amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles. All right, Jay, what is in your black tank this week? <sighs> The campsite we, we were just at. It, I there there I think so. There's a situation <laughs> we were we were just at, at a yes. campsite which was a no hookup sort of like you're parked out on the Homer Spit and there's but it has designated but there are designated spots. sites. You pay thirty bucks for these sites. They have signposts on them with arrows with the arrows to tell you where the sites are. Even mm-hmm. if anybody wants to argue that you're in the wrong site, as all yes, happened to us yes, there weirdly. But there are designated sites, and they're all up against the waterfront. So you each have a a campfire pit, a picnic table, and, and some, some are space. bigger than others in regards to the amount of 
where your fire so, ring is and your picnic table. And- some folks pulled in next to us. And first of all, they had a converted uh, cargo trailer yeah, it was as cool. their RV, which is really cool. Yeah, it had like this. Um, I mean, it was like a um, toy hauler version, too. Yeah. However, their door was, they built it so their their door was on the wrong side, yeah. right? So It's on driver's side. Yeah. When you pull into a campsite, your door's then facing your neighbor. Like, there's a reason why our doors are all on the same side, and it's so that when we pull into a campsite, we're, we're not using the same campsite, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> it's a little weird in situations like this, though, because you are along the water and a lot of the motor homes like to pull in forward so they can get that wonderful view out their front window. Yep. Uh, but uh, I, no issue at all with the fact that they're facing towards us. Uh, the issue was they had a couple small dogs and the dogs were off leash all the time. And they would walk them over to our site to use the bathroom mm-hmm. right in front, like our stairs. Like they're, they're the dogs are exactly. peeing like basically on our stairs mm-hmm. to our RV well, while they're standing. They're just watching, and they had their dog. own whole site area <laughs> where they could have done this. It was weird. They consistently just used our site, and so our site. We had an end site here, and a and. It was by far the biggest site there. In fact, it was so big. And we double-checked the map because we thought, this cannot just be a site by itself. But we walked over and looked at the map of the campground, and we were like, yeah, no, this is. That we could come in like at an angle so that we could have a little bit of a view but still be able to get out. And it had this little path that went out to our fire pit and picnic table in this big like open area. And uh, consistently, people just were like, oh, this is this is the site. And they just were like, this is we're just going to set up shop here. I would look out and there, you know, we'd have like our camp chairs and everything like set out out there. And there'd just be somebody I mean, sitting at that picnic table having their lunch. It's kind of a place <laughs> where like, you. Oh, hey, hi. It's you? kind of a place where you let some of those expectations go of like people walking through your site and stuff like that, because. It, it's It'll just drive you nuts it, if you it's don't. to get to the beach and like sometimes they have to go that way and everything um and it it is a little loosely organized and yeah. all that's fine but there's some things like like we saw a woman walk in be- not, you know Jamie and Clay had their they had their trailer parked and they had their truck parked right in front of it. Mm-hmm. Somebody like walked in between their truck and their trailer, like yeah. in that little tiny two foot space there. There was a guy that was like trying to, it seemed like he was trying to accuse us of not paying or was annoyed that we didn't have. He wanted our spot is what he, he wanted. wanted our and spot, he was so trying to figure out how he wanted it to be. What he wanted was, I guess there's sometimes people make that into two spots and he was upset that we had used the spot as the spot was intended. I guess, but he was giving us a hard time because like our receipt wasn't on the post because the posts have little the little clips for you to put yeah. your hang your receipt from, but the receipt itself says to put it on your vehicle. So we did that and we, he was like giving us a hard time over that. It was very strange. I It's very I, weird. Very We've weird. had a few pavement camping situations recently where it's just really like driven home for me that it doesn't matter where you're camping it doesn't matter if it's on a beach if it's pavement or a designated camp spot that's marked out these are all spaces that people pay for and a and a parking spot that has a sign and an arrow and and markers that show that this is a camp spot it doesn't matter if it's on a slab of pavement 
or if it's in the greenest nature. Somebody spent some money to have that spot, to have this little tiny piece of land that they're going to call home for the weekend or whatever. And we should be kind about that and let them have that little spot and not just treat it like, oh, well, it's beach camping. So I can do whatever I want. Oh, you're just camping in a parking lot. They can do whatever they want if they want to walk through there. No, actually they can't. Because I paid for something that this particular business designated as a campground, as a camping spot. If this was free or even just like five bucks, park wherever sort of deal, it would be a different story. No, I'd still argue if I had to make a reservation for it, if I had to pay for it, if somebody took the time to draw out a map that shows where camping spots are. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. That's what I said. This is not that. This is, there are posts with signs and like, yeah, it was very, it was just really strange. But it was an amazing, beautiful place too. It was really, it was lovely, but I, it, we did it. There was a line that was drawn for us when the dogs kept walking up to our, our stairs and peeing on them while they stood there and, watched them and looked at us staring at their dogs peeing on our stairs. A little weird. I know. I was like, would they be okay? Would you all mind if I just walked over and peed on your stairs? Is that going to bother you? Like, is that it's okay? Are you all right with that? Like, if I just came over and took a squat, peed on your stairs? No no biggie, right? It's like, fine. So anyway, what's in your fresh tank this week? I know. You're not going to get that image out of your head uh, for My a while. fresh tank is... Uh, is Using my phone for tap to pay. Yes. In, since we have crossed, ever since we crossed into Canada, both Canada and Alaska, uh, virtually every business accepts tap to pay. There have been a few occasions where we haven't been able to do it, but I have very rarely needed to use my wallet. I'm almost always using my phone to pay. And I, I know a lot of people hate that. Oh, I love I it. love it so so much i love it i just put my phone there i have the designated card i want to use bink bink done yeah especially because like apple pay shows you the most recent transactions and stuff Uh, the yesterday where we were trying to figure out we thought we maybe lost a card or didn't know where we put a card (laughs) and i could go in and see like where was the last place we used that card you know simple stuff like that right there at your fingertips i really really love and i especially canada almost everywhere in canada it was accepted just few places here in alaska that that have not but for the most part i've been able to use it anywhere i I go and buy stuff so good job canada good job alaska get on that lower 48 all right what's in your black tank okay so my black tank go okay so i think it's we all like you know kitschy little street names that you go into towns and they always have them, you know, a lot of themed names of streets, like for what that, you know, area is kind of known for. And it's really cute. And it's, but I came across one the other day. This isn't really a black tank. It's more of a gray tank, but it is kind of a black tank. So we got fuel at a gas station and I, I was leaving and I noticed that the name of the street was Poop Deck. <laughs> and I, I did a, I did a double take because I thought, no, 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 no. Like this isn't named yeah. Poop Deck, P O O P. Well, the town, the town's names are all sort of like, or uh, the street names. You the, mean the street names uh, in this town are all sort of celebrating maritime. Yeah, we're ship 
ship words and stuff like that. Absolutely. But- like, and that is so great. But I just, I thought, you know, if I had to call, okay, like I'm setting up, uh, I've moved into a new home, right? And I need to get some people out to set some things up or I need to set some things up. And I call like, you know, the I call to change my address or I have to fill out my address. I have to tell someone or I, I'm placing a to-go order if I can't just do it online and I have to actually call somewhere. Oh, but I have to call them and I have to tell them like, here's my address to come deliver to me. If I had to tell someone that I lived at 1234 Poop Deck... Like, yes, like I, that's P-O-O-P. I think like, there, can you spell that? And you'd be have, like, uh, it's exactly as it sounds. There have been a lot of street Pooped names at. that I've, I've thought exactly that of. Not necessarily like in this way, but like some that are really hard to spell or some that are like five words long. Like, that you're what? like, I'm, I've got to call Verizon and try to, t- try to explain to somebody in India that just, my address uh, is... What if I'm like saying to like my, you know, my friends, like my kids want to have a friend over. Let's say Jack, my 16 year old, wants wants to have a friend over, like for the first time. And you're like, or this friend is going to come pick him up and go out to the movies or something. Hey, Uh, hey dude, where do you live? Yeah, just uh, I'm right off Poop Deck. Yeah. Poop Deck and uh, Sterling. Look, it's growing on me because I think it's kind of memorable and cute. But I think. (laughs) It, if I had been 16 and I had to tell my friends that I lived on poop well, deck. Well, if you live in a small town that I, ha- everybody knows there's a poop deck streak, it, street, it's no big deal. Sure. That's fine. I just think there's a lot of other things about maritime and fishing and the beauty of Homer that we could have celebrated on a street that didn't have to bring up the poop deck. I mean, I guess we need to celebrate the poop deck, but like... It's like it's sort of like you ran out of like you know. Is they there were a pee patio? To be funny. It's not it's actual a poop, poop deck like, and a pee patio. It's not named poop deck because I know of people poop, don't though. go over and just poop on the deck, Jason. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm. Not, I'm not our neighbor's dog. Okay, I don't just walk over and pee wherever. Is there way too much potty humor on this podcast? Uh, there might to, be. Might be today. There is. So. What What is in your fresh tank this week? Uh, so I have a book recommendation for this week. I jumped on the bandwagon of a book that came out in 2021 that uh, has been turned into an Apple TV show that I haven't seen yet, but that has been crossing my path time and time and time and time again for like the last year. So it's by Laura Dave. Yes, two first names, Laura Dave. And the book is called The Last Thing He Told Me. I flew through this book. I read it in three days. It was, it is currently the best book of 2023 that I have read. It is so good. And it takes place, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, um, this woman's husband just completely disappears one day. And all he leaves her is a note that says, protect her. And it's, about her stepdaughter, her 16-year-old stepdaughter, her stepdaughter does not like her. She's only been married to this man for about two years. And what happens in the span of 48 hours, there's a big uh, scandal with the SEC that gets involved. And it's, it, it is so wild. And I can't, it's, it's, it's so good. You just, just read it. If you're looking for something that, you know, you, you are not going to want to put down. This is the book. Uh, it's the best book I've read so far this year. I, I loved it. Loved it. 
Awesome. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, it is. And hey, before we go, just a really quick reminder about homecoming because we only have 15 campsites left. So if you are wanting to attend this, it's a really small gathering this year. If you're wanting to attend, you need to get on and get registered because we absolutely anticipate that all of this is going to sell out. Homecoming is happening October 4th through the 8th in Amana, Iowa. We are going to have, with your rally ticket, you're going to have nightly dinners from fine catering folks like Hy-Vee. You're going, <laughs> although I was on Hy-Vee's website, I'm not super impressed. So I'm, I'm trying to outsource some food trucks right now because I think we can do a little bit better than like a meat and cheese tray. Okay. I think we ah, can do better. It'll uh, be good food. It's going to be really good food. There's a Greek place I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get cater for us. Uh, also, you know, we have, we're premiering Baja to Alaska. The very first episode of the docuseries is going to happen. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have some outings. Jason's going to dress up like a wizard and no. we're all going to go to a Ren Fair. It's sorry. You're right. You're getting a suit of armor. I Stop forgot. It. There's a ton happening. We hope that you will join us. You can learn more at rvmiles.com slash homecoming. And I will also link to it in the show notes as well as in the description for this video. All right, friends, please stay healthy while you're out there on the road. We really hope that you do not have to keep track of all the ERs that you have visited across the country. And we hope that you keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.